Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Cougar Nation, welcome into a special edition post-game podcast live from the BYU Rock. Well, on demand. On demand. You're right. Well, we're, re- we're recording this live, but yeah. you're listening to it on demand. Got the vacuum. We got the vacuum. We got some people cleaning right here. They think they're going to be out in an hour, which is impressive yeah. for one of the biggest basketball venues in uh, <laughs> definitely on the they West Coast. We, <laughs> we can see Mark Pope. We'll get some commentary from him in postgame. But speaking of Mark Pope, I just want to pull a quick audible here. Uh, opening statement, uh, Nate Slack, our producer. This was rough, guys. Uh, I, I think I was talking to Matt about this before, but I think this was probably the second most painful loss of the WCC era, um, only behind the Del Vadova buzzer beater. Oh, and I think that's because a lot of a lot of these close games we've had with the St. Marys and Gonzagas, we pulled out. Um, thinking about the the block shot that Nate Austin had up in Spokane, mm. um, the the shot here in Provo where. Uh, TJ Haas hits a three-pointer, and then Zach Stelius and Yoli uh, combined for defensive stops on the other end. Um, I, th- I just think this is this has got to be the second worst, uh, most painful loss of the WCC era. I will take your second, and I will raise it to first. Hmm. I think this is the most painful loss in the hist- in, in the WCC era because that team in 2019 that beat Gonzaga that necessarily wasn't a surprise, like. I don't. I didn't view that as a big upset. That was a good basketball team, Mitch, that went blow for blow for Gonzaga. And had they met in the championship game that year, remember, Barcelo gets hurt. They just played horrifically right before the pandemic. They don't get that rematch. I felt like they could have beat them again. But this was BYU was a big underdog in this game. This is not. This is not one of the best WCC BYU teams. And to have a chance to get a win like this against a top ten team. Imagine what that could have done for this group going through the rest of WCC play. Maybe that sets them up on a run that gives them a chance in the tournament. And who knows what can happen in the tournament. Instead, we're talking about something entirely different. I will say, Matt and and Nate, I think that BYU got a glimpse of a little bit of life in the Big 12. And I thought they did a fantastic job as Coach... See you later, Coach. Coach Steve Rose, Coach Lacombe. Coach... Uh, walking past here, walking through the Marriott Center. I will say that I think that uh, BYU showed that in big stages they can play well and rise up to the occasion. They've done that a lot this year. San Diego State, Creighton, Gonzaga. This team's making progress, and they're getting a lot better. I just don't recall, and maybe we have to, Nate, dial up your old uh, uh, contacts or your uh, stat bucket with, uh, with Greg Rebel. 
but I don't recall many times BYU being up four with about 90 seconds left and they lose in this building. I, 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 that just There's not many games. If Usually when BYU loses here, it's, it's kind of like a Utah Valley type game where BYU just doesn't play well the whole night and the opposing team pulls away. There's not many heartbreakers because not many teams and programs can come into this gym when the building is sold out and it's rocking and it's a deafening, loud noise, and they, they come away with a victory. Like That just speaks to Gonzaga, even though I think this Gonzaga team, guys, could go out in the round of 64 this year. I, I just think they're, they're, they're a flawed team. But it's Gonzaga, and they always find a way to win in WCC play, and credit the Zags. For getting it done, but uh, I will say BYU is making progress. Yes, but how many of those? You just talked about the four ports in it. How many of those teams had a one and one where you brick the back end? Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than eighty thousand Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And then there's a... Mark Durant, the man! (laughs) I love being in in the... uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium and Marriott Center after you, hours. You don't like sitting in the Marriott Center media room and having other media members like stalk us? No. While we're doing interviews? Anyway. No. And uh, I don't Personal know if experience, I, I don't this, know. but I will. Uh, I relocated myself from my assigned seat today on Media <laughs> Row to have a little peace and quiet. You know? I enjoyed the company, so I appreciated it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the point I was making was... How many in those situations have you had a team make as many? They did everything wrong at the end of that game. They miss a free throw. They go 5 of 10 from the free throw line. Think about that, 50%. Now, we can argue whether or not they should have been there more because they probably should have been there more. But the times they did go, they only went 1 of 2. That's not good enough. You have a – you're up 4. You get a stop and a rebound. And they struggled to rebound all night, guys. They got out-rebounded by 15. You get a critical rebound up for Gonzaga's committed to the foul game at this point. And what do you do? Turn it over. They bang a three in the corner. And then it's and then it's it's pandemonium. Like, it, there was just... You couldn't have had a worse finish to a basketball game, and that's why they lost. I, I One thing I, I can't stop thinking about is there's four minutes left. We're up by 10. Uh, and... George picks up the fourth. George picks up the fourth. That, and that was a review, too. It could have been a Tiki or George and kind of a critical And, and we said you were, look, you had a premium media seat. Yep. We did not. That's okay. That's fine. You know, you were sitting next to the WCC representatives. That's great. He enjoys his red vines. He loves them. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. We said at the time, if that's on Gideon George, like, that's bad. Gideon George... Say what you want about his offensive. And look, tonight was a great Gideon George night. 
uh, four seven from three, 17 points. He played a great game. Offensively, it's hit or miss with Gideon, but defensively and on the glass, it's consistent. And when it went on him, that was a very difficult decision that Coach Pope had to make. And it was tough because Saunders goes in, Waterman goes in, and then suddenly the 10-point lead goes down to five points. And at that point, that's when Gonzaga starts pressing, and BYU's proven they can't beat the press. And I feel like that's the point where uh, the games kind of got out of hand. And even though BYU led late, um, just the, the pressure Gonzaga was bringing was, was going to cause issues. Let me ask you guys this. Pope has, out, has said consistently this whole year they're new and young. Is that acceptable 20 games in? No, no, it's not. not at all. There were, and, and I'm glad he said this. I'm not pointing the finger at him because he's already pointed it at himself. In yep. the post game, he said, someone asked him, I can't remember who, has anyone consoled Jackson Robinson for the missed free throw? And he said, yes, well, Ron, Ron okay, it was Ron Weaver of ESPN 960. And Coach Pope responded and said, everyone made mistakes, including me, yep. down the stretch. And he's right. But and we don't need to go through them all. But wouldn't you want one of your best passers on the floor when when and and another downhole doesn't play a second in the second half, right? and and we don't know why. And we probably should have asked. To, to Rudy Williams or to Mark Pope's credit, Rudy Williams was playing outstanding. I almost feel like I put the the media member curse on him. I said through the first twenty minutes, he's got six points, he's got uh, four <laughs> rebounds, or he's got seven rebounds and four assists, or I, I'm, I'm jumbling it up, and zero turnovers. And then I think two minutes later, he gets a costly turnover before the under four timeout, yep. and and then it just to Nate's point, it felt like at that under four break, the tide was turning. They had a lead, but turbulence wasn't hitting as loud as it was three years ago. For sure. Three years ago, it was deafening during turbulence. Yeah. And that turnover just, again, added more fuel that That's Gonzaga a song, can pull right? this turbulence? off. Turbulence? Yes. For, for those that who is, yes. that is may the not song. know. Oh, BYU fans know turbulence. <laughs> we had turbulence. The they point I'm trying to make here, though, is why go with Waterman yeah. at that point and not Dallin Hall, yeah. who at very least – has proven he can inbound the ball, has proven that he can dribble. I just, He's got two game winners, too. Another great point. So it's I just felt like there was a number of schematic miscues at the end, execution-related miscues, uh, none worse than the you missed the free throw. Not picking up Strother at midcourt is going to be something that haunts Robinson, I think, for a long yeah. time. One other thing I think really hurt BYU late was BYU, I, I believe there's less than a minute left in the game, and Gideon George pulls down a defensive rebound. I believe it was Gideon. Uh, Gideon ends up going down, and, and he pushes the ball down the court. And I'm thinking, hold up, hold up. You yeah. know, you got a lot of time you can That's waste. And he puts up a tough shot underneath the basket. It rims out. Gonzaga pulls it down. And that's another four-point swing because Gonzaga scored on the other end. It's a good point. I, I think that there were so many moments in this game. BYU should have won. I mean, they yes. should have won this game. BYU, I feel confident saying this, BYU was the better team for the majority of the game. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, I felt like the best team did not win tonight. Yep. And usually you don't say that against the Zags. Usually it requires a storming the court type effort. And it would have stormed the court had BYU won. Uh, but, you know, that was a missed opportunity. And I think that, you know, I asked Pope in the post game if, if it was a opportunity missed due to uh, the missed chance to expedite the growth process. He's talked a lot about that. That would have just been a nice win. That really, because guys, you win this game, 
you're tied in second place with the Zags in the WCC standings. Suddenly we're not talking about this team as everything's building to the Big 12. You're suddenly in the thick of the WCC title hunt. Yep. Now that's gone. You've lost two games. That's over. Gonzaga's not going to lose two games. No. And they, they probably should. They probably should have three losses right now. But let's face it, they're not going to lose. So you just bounce yourself from that. That's what is a bummer about this loss is that, yeah, there's still a ton of basketball left this season. But when you lose two games in this league, you're out and you lose one of them to the Zags, they're going to have the tiebreaker, you're done. And you could have put yourself in that WCC title hunt for the first time, really, uh, in a long time. And that's that's a missed opportunity by BYU. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I want to get both of your thoughts. And it's 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 easy to nitpick this situation yeah. considering what happened. Yeah. So let's keep that in mind. However, now that we know what happened on the final sequence, did you like the play call? Uh, I, it's tough. I, I think I like the play call. I like having the ball in Spencer Johnson's hands. Um, I, I just, however, I sorry to cut you off. I'm prone to do this in the post game pods. It wasn't supposed to go to Spencer Johnson. Yeah. That's True. what coach Pope said in, in the post game. So I don't disagree with you, but, but that it did, it was, it, it broke before it ever started really. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that was tough about that is BYU had no timeouts left. Um, I can't remember exactly what the what the reason was, but uh, just a couple minutes before it was after a big three, BYU hit a hit a big three pointer. George hit a huge. Three, Gideon hit a three and, and then called timeout. We BYU were like, calls a timeout to set up a defensive plan that didn't make up any make any sense in a close game when you need timeouts down the stretch, and it proved to be costly. Did you uh, like the call, the play? No, I didn't. I think BYU. In the first four years of the Mark Pope era, there's been too many instances where late-game situations, this staff makes mistakes. And if they don't have a superstar talent like a Yoli, like a TJ Haas, like a Jake Toulson, like an Alex Barcelo, those flaws come out. And there, there is still, I think, a growth process, too, for Mark Pope. Uh, he, as far as – because I think him as a coach in the WCC – to me, he's the, clearly the third best coach in this league, in my opinion, uh, behind Mark Few and Randy Bennett. Yep. I, I think that in the Big 12, though, he might be what? I, I mean, I, I'd have to think about all the coaches off the top of my head, but he's probably in the back half. And there's got to be growth for, from him, too, because he's going to be at a team in the Big 12 where he's got to maximize his talent, whatever the roster is in a given year, because there's going to be change after this season. you got to maximize that personnel and, and make sure, too, when you do have those windows. Like This is, this is a really a glimpse into Big 12 life where you have the chance against a really good team, which will be every night in the Big 12. You have to seize that opportunity because yeah. the margin for error against these really good teams – it's there's just a few plays, and if you don't capitalize on those few plays, it'll just be devastating. You'll relive these moments forever, and uh, you know it, it's it's a good lesson. You wish you could have learned those lessons when a win, but uh, BYU comes up short, uh, 75-74, in, in a game that man, I, I thought they played well, and I thought they played good enough to win this thing. They just they crumbled at the end. Here's my final thoughts in the the last sequence in which Spencer Johnson was unable to get a shot off. It might be time to put that end-of-game play in the garbage can. That seems to be the only play... Well, let me back up. That's not fair. The Dallin Hall game winner where they did a, like a quick slant and then they spread the floor, that thing was a thing of beauty. It was new. It made it impossible to get congested. But the play we've seen the most in late-game situations, and it has worked, it's not always a failure, 
T- this was the same exact play that TJ Haas beat St. Mary's on, where it starts down here on the left side, opposite of the coaches, and there's this little action mm-hmm. where maybe you deny the screen or maybe you take it and go under. We have seen that play a lot, and I kind of wonder if Gonzaga knew that that was coming because yeah. they were all over it. It was never there, and I just feel like it's been run too much, and it probably needs to be put in the garbage can in, yeah. in late-game situations because it's it's predictable. It's a, it's a two-man game, and if you don't get what you want or a guy makes a play because I think Strother got his hand in there, then there was a loose ball and there was a scramble, it, it, there's just not enough options on it where if something goes south, you can't get a good look. And that's credit to Mark Few. I mean, that's why he's one of the winningest coaches that we've seen in the 21st century in college basketball. i got to say, too, guys, before we start to wrap this thing up, did it kind of shock you when you looked at the final box that BYU was minus 17? I mean, I, I know that maybe it's just the three-point shooting. Minus 17. They were, it was 42 to 25 in rebounds. Oh, in rebounds. Rebounds. What did Absol- I say? I just thought you were talking plus minus. No, yeah. And I was like, rebounds. Whoa. Minus 17 rebounds. And that just felt a lot bigger than I was expecting in the final box. 15 to just a fact check. Too. Okay. 42, 27? 47-32. Oh, 47-32. Sorry. Um, get my numbers mixed up. Uh, but I, I was... Uh, that would just surprise me because it didn't feel like the game. If you say Gonzaga's going plus 15 on BYU on the glass. They'd blow them out. But, I mean, the, the three-point shot was the, a great equalizer. I, I just think that is – I think it, that, that's another thing you can take away from this game is that it exposed what the issues are of this team. Foose is not a five. He needs to be a four next season. And you can build from this. And, and I think if you take a you know 10,000-foot approach, big-picture look at this program going forward uh, – you, it kind of exposes you where your weaknesses are. And it's another test of building towards the Big 12. But, you know, you want to you make a chase to March and 8. And, Gosh, uh, it just hurts and to be. that's unfortunate. It hurts to be plus 21 yeah. from the three-point line, and you don't win. That shot, too, from, what was it, Strother? Yeah. That was a big-time shot. Credit to him. Huge. Can we have a quick, I know we want to wrap it up. Can we have a quick argument on the uh, what Timmy did on that play? Was that a moving screen? I didn't think it was live. I I didn't, but I'd probably have to go back and watch it. I think it. it was, and here's why. And this happens a lot in basketball where the guy's, like, walking but doing it strategically to, like, sort of set a screen without setting the screen. That doesn't bother me when it's, like, from your own basket to midcourt. But when you get into scoring position, I feel like you have to be set. And Timmy was doing the walking thing where he's, like, doing 180s and spinning. And and it made it very hard for Robinson. Now, granted, Robinson should have picked him up long before the screen could ever come. So that, it's still a miscue on Robinson. However, if you go back and watch the replay, <laughs> Timmy was never set. And, but makes contact with Robinson. That's why I'm like, how can you defend if you're not setting legal screens? I just, I, I don't know. I felt like that was, it wasn't obvious, but yeah, it seemed like a moving screen to me. Final thoughts, Dane? I'm just curious to see where this team goes. Uh, yeah. I think we saw similar things in football season where you start out hot. Um, granted, we're past the middle of the season now, but winning eight of nine games, um, things are going really well, and then you, you lose a big game. And with football, they, they crumbled, right? They lost four straight. Granted, there were injuries and, and that sort of deal. But I'm just 
curious to see the motivation of the team knowing that they likely are out of the conference championship race because Gonzaga's not going to lose two games. And what's going to be the motivation levels? Um, just how is this team going to perform? And I think Saturday will probably have a good idea. It's good stuff, guys. I, I think that Saturday will be fascinating from that standpoint of because this could turn into second loss. It's uh, make know. or break on yeah. Saturday. You it win is. that, then I think you can point to this and say we're built. We're building yeah. from it. You lose to Pepperdine, the wheels are coming because off. Because I, I, as we wrap it up, finally, uh, <laughs> the uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. The uh, <laughs> BYU has shown they can, like like Nate said with football, they can rise up against a big opponent and play pretty well. But then they can also play down to the Portlands, yep. the South Dakotas. The, maybe the, the Linda Woods. So we'll see how it goes on Saturday. We'll have Cougar Sports Saturday, noon to 3. Loaded show. You'll hear from uh, the new QBs, Keaton Slovis, Jake Ratzlaff. Uh, we might have Tim Lacombe as well. Uh, we just orchestrated that here on, on the floor just as he was walking by. I think we're just going to hit him up. So uh, producer Nate and Matt and myself, Mitch Harper, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up here from the Marriott Center. Go subscribe to the show on Cougar Sports Saturday and all major podcasting platforms and kslsports.com. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.